Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. My name is John McGee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Blake Holmes is the lead pastor at Watermark Community Church and also one of our elders. Blake, welcome back to the podcast. Hey guys, I'm excited to be here. Okay, we got a great topic today. I'm really excited to talk about focus, about clarity. Um, one of the things I always ask you is, what are you reading? What are you? What do you recommend? You read more than uh, the next three people I know. So you got a book recommendation before we get going? Well, I usually read several books at one time. The one that I would probably recommend right now is I'm enjoying Tripp's book on suffering. I know that sounds okay. funny, right? I'm enjoying yeah. reading a book on suffering, but nonetheless, I think his insights are worth really noting. So okay. I'd recommend that one. Very good. I've not read it, but I will uh, I will order it and I will read it now based on uh, Blake's recommendation. So Blake, we're going to talk about today about clarity, about focus, about the role that a leader has in bringing that to an organization. And we just went through a process here that we launched in March, but there was a lot of pre-work that happened before that. So we're going to talk about this topic, but I think, I think it'd be really helpful to talk about the process that you and the elders went through to get us to that place. Again, we're not, we're not even going to advocate uh, that process, but we're going to advocate a process uh, with the end result of clarity. So do you mind kind of rewinding the tape a little bit, telling us uh, how we got there, what was going on, why even the need to kind of bring some clarity and then where you landed? Sure. So uh, a couple of things I want to explain about where we were at the time. We were going through a transition in leadership, new elders, new leadership, several new people on our staff. And, uh, and we were at that 20-year mark, yeah. just over our 20-year yeah. mark in the history of our church. And so, um, in fact, just you know, to offer a metaphor I think that might be helpful is I've lived in the same house for about 20 years now. Yeah. And you know what happens when you live in the house for 20 years? You, you accumulate clutter, okay? And so if you looked in my garage, you would see that I've accumulated clutter. It didn't quite make it to the alley. It was one of those things like, I may need this next time, you know, or I could use this. I'm not quite ready to throw it away. And then you look back and you have your kids' stuff from kindergarten. They're all the way in college. Yeah. And you just recognize, hey, it was great for a season. It was useful. But I probably need to get rid of some of this stuff in order to make room for new things, new initiatives, new ideas, and uh, create space. And so I think just in the unique history of our church, where we were 20 years later, new staff, new leadership, new elders, we needed to ask ourselves, hey, where have we been? Where are we now? Where do we want to go? Because, hey, we're, we're a different place. We're a different place in the life of our church. There's different challenges we're facing. And so the old paradigms, you know, it's that, that old adage, you know, hey, what got you here won't get you there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we just needed to stop, sit down and say, hey, where are we? Where do we feel like the Lord's leading us? And, um, and so we started this process. And what I would say, John, which was, I think, hopefully helpful when people consider this, this was more than just a brainstorming session for us. What distinguished this process is all the prep work we did beforehand. Yeah, keep Just the time of prayer, the time of fasting. Um, and then I, I can't stress this enough time to listen, to listen to the key leaders on our staff, key leaders within our body and, and to join one another in prayer. So it, it was a long extended conversation mm-hmm. where we were preparing ourselves listening to others and most importantly listening to the lord and so as we entered into discussions as elders we came in having really spent time with the lord and with others to define hey what are our challenges what are our unique opportunities how's god uniquely wired resourced what has he given to us to where we can meet those needs and then to come in and to trust that the spirit of god is speaking to each one of us 
not just a fight for my idea. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we got away, and this is really what I want to do, and what I'm most passionate about. It's alignment and my gifts. But no, what's what's the Lord saying to us collectively? And so, what we're trying to fight for, so to speak, is not that any one person's ideas. Um, would win or the person who speaks the most or is the most eloquent or the most passionate or most excited at that particular time wins the day. But no, what collectively, what do we sense the Lord's doing amongst us? And so that's different. That's different than just a brainstorming session where you come and you argue it out. All the the pre-work that you would do is really sweet to see what the Spirit of God was doing and how he was leading us and shaping that process. There's a deference to one another. There's a humility in the room. Mm-hmm. There's a time of prayer. Uh, when we get stuck, there's a time just pause. Hey, let's come back to this. And so this was more than just, hey, let's get together and kind of hash out best ideas yeah. one afternoon. Yeah, I think that is such a good practice. We're gonna get to in a second where we landed and where, where the elders landed on uh, kind of our strategic four uh, initiatives. But I, I just wanna highlight that it was a process. And so oftentimes what'll happen is senior leaders will get away and they'll you know they'll get on vacation and they'll fire up their Evernote and create you know a, a quick uh, Word document and send an email. And that's now the strategic initiatives. That's a way to do it. You, you absolutely you are within your right. but. There was something about that process, and it, it was hard. I mean, I assume, you know, for you sitting in the seat that you sat in, you go, there's an easier way to do this. But it was uh, well fought for. And so when it rolled out, everyone said, yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. And they were there was a lot of buy-in. People felt like they had spoken into. People will champion that which they feel like they got to help to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, re- it really was a, it was, it was a glove that fit. You it's know, collaborative, it, it, and it was—it wasn't something that was just imposed forcefully from the outside. Everyone, it, it, again, now it was your call. It was the elders' call, but it really felt like it came from everyone uh, right. there, and uh, it was really, really clarifying. So the other thing I, I wanted to say this real quick: what's going to happen is someone who's really young is going to say, "Well, I'm not in the position that you are, Blake, and therefore I don't get a chance to create clarity, define strategic initiatives." And I, this is what I would say to you. A, I think this is going to be incredibly helpful to you. For the rest of your life, you're going to have to bring clarity, no matter what size organization you lead, even if you lead a small team, even if you lead yourself. But two, it's not too early to start asking, what would I make a priority around here? And play that mental exercise every time. What, how would I lead that meeting? How would I, how would I communicate this? And what would, I, what would I focus on if I was in charge? And um, I, begin, I begin to kind of start that engine and that thinking so that you can grow, because uh, it's a skill that you're going to have to uh, grow in. Yeah. To young leaders, what I would say is a good question to ask yourself is, hey, how, how can I support those strategic priorities set by my leadership? And ask them, hey, what, what can I individually do? Yes. And then how can I support our team and how can I help us globally as a church? What ways could I participate? And you'd be amazed as a young leader, perhaps what rooms that will put you in and the opportunities that will open up before you just because you have a willing heart and a supportive spirit. I love it. Okay, so here were the four uh, strategic priorities that um, the elders rolled out. And I think we said it's going to go from March to March. So we're, whatever the math is, uh, six, seven months in. Uh, Strengthen families make a large church feel smaller, deepen our theology of God and his church, and love our city. And one of the things I, I wanna say is, with that, uh, our vision, mission, and values, and these strategic priorities fit on one page, which is such a great practice for a leader. If you can't put everything that you do uh, succinctly on a page, you probably don't understand it, 
and you better believe the people under you don't either. And so there was a, a, a real discipline to get it all on one page. Um, we'll put this uh, we'll put this document here in the show notes. Go ahead, Blake. Yeah, I would just say I think also about that. What's important, John, going back to that garage metaphor, is that we recognized. Hey, the the leaders who um, came before us did an outstanding job, always communicating the vision and putting it in front of people. But as you have new leaders, as you grow, as the scales and scope of of your church begins to change over time, we recognize we accumulated a lot of words, a lot of saying, yes. a lot of values. And it was, they were all great things, but just as we were meeting new challenges and experiencing growth. And so uh, maybe in your church, you have various campaigns or new initiatives or whatever. And some of those, they did just accumulate over time. And so this process helped us stop and say, hey, where are we today? Let's force clarity. And then I think the real magic, if I could use that word, comes when you have to write it down. Mm-hmm. When you have to write something and wordsmith it, that's a challenge rather than just speak generically. Because no, we're gonna we're actually gonna write that down. Quite honestly, sometimes we'd stop on one word, mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. one word, mm-hmm. and so and that was a really um, helpful process for us. Yeah, it is, it is hard, but it is your job. And like one of the things you say often is leaders force or bring clarity. They force clarity. It, it doesn't uh, auto magically happen. It is a lot of hard work. Okay. So we've got these uh, strategic priorities. How's it going? Uh, what's, what's the process been like? Well, I think anything that's new comes with just a season of adoption and buy-in and has challenges as people are getting accustomed to what it is that you've proposed. And what I recognized is that we've always had a very entrepreneurial spirit about us. We've had staff that are driven and they just ooze vision. But what this allowed us to do is it allowed us to have a greater sense of alignment across all of our ministries. And so some churches, you know, as they get bigger, there is a tendency to where one ministry is siloed off of the other. But when you're all pulling in one direction and you're all speaking a common vernacular and you're all using the same language, there's a greater alignment. So if you think about the difference between a shotgun and a rifle, right? A shotgun has its purposes. It's a great gun, but it shoots multiple BBs and um, or pellets versus a rifle. It's a singular shot. These four strategic priorities helped us shoot with one bullet. It creates greater synergy, greater momentum, greater clarity, and with greater force. And we're all pulling in the same direction. So it allows us to have a greater alignment across all of our ministry teams and our staff. And then it gives us greater focus, focus in how we're making decisions. So if you think about it, leaders are making decisions, multiple decisions day in, day out, whether it's staffing or budget or how they're spending their time. But with four strategic priorities, that forces the clarity of like, no, wait a minute, we're not going to make that higher right now Mm because it's inconsistent Mm -hmm. with one of these four strategic priorities. So people aren't bringing you necessarily bad ideas. I'm in rooms where people have great ideas all the time, but what we are fighting over, so to speak, is sometimes the difference between good, better, and best. Mm-hmm. So those four strategic parties for us have helped us force or clarify, hey, what are we going to be about this year? Yeah. How can we make decisions? And what I think is helpful is, is give people understanding, even when we say no, 
because they know what the four strategic parties are. And they're like, okay, hey, that makes sense. Sometimes I think it discourages leaders when you're given an answer, but the why is never explained. And it's, it's also like, what are they thinking in that room over there? But when you have four strategic priorities and you're like, hey, listen, we're not going to make that higher yeah. or we're not going to adjust the budget in that way. And here's why. That's not going to help us love our city. That's not going to help us make a, a big church feel smaller. It brings alignment. It brings clarity. It helps us um, avoid decision fatigue. I think it also um, has allowed us just to have that buy-in amongst our staff. And, you know, it's, it's fun to see how people have adopted this individually then as a team, and then macro as a church. Mm-hmm. So we're all pulling in the mm-hmm. same direction. That's like cool. we've challenged each other to think, hey, individually, what are you going to do to love our city? As a team, what can we all do, whether you're in student ministry or you're in community groups or family ministry, what are you going to do to help us love our city? And then as a church, big major initiatives, like, hey, we're all going to rally around yep. this. And so when people are thinking like that, that's shaped messages, that's shaped strategy, that's helped us budget time. And so for all those reasons, what you're doing is you're helping people fire with one rifle shot. And I think it's a much more powerful shot. That's really good. So, so many things I think I just want to call out. Um, a couple things that I remember. One, uh, you talked about, it keeps us from building these little silos. We did an episode, I think it was 97, on how to uh, avoid silos, how to spot them and squash them. And this has been really, really great. And I'll give you an example. I've walked into some, to some meetings where you're not there, the elders aren't there, um, some of the senior staff is not there, and people are debating what they should do. Now, the natural tendency would be uh, for me to fight for my thing, my idea, or something that would directly benefit my, you know, my ministry area or something like that. And instead, I've walked in on the conversation, and the conversation is, which one of these best aligns with our four priorities? Mm-hmm. No one's fighting for their own little kingdom. They're fighting to best align themselves around, uh, around those uh, priorities, which is fantastic. And then I think, you know, um, does this work if you stay after this? I was last night, I mean, I was with two members, uh, we were having dinner, and they talk, I just asked them, how do you think we're doing? What are you encouraged by? What are our opportunities for growth? And they both said, you know what, we can tell the energy that's gone around these four priorities. And they just rattled off some different things. They said there's an energy around these that has been really fun to watch. Um, that they, they had really been encouraged by. So the other thing I, I want people to know, Blake, is that you didn't just, again, push this email and say, guys, we'll talk to you again in March. This, is, this has been a ground war uh, where you consistently bring these up. So you've done a couple things from my perspective. One, you've celebrated wins when people do something that aligns with those, something that was new or something that was excellent, that's celebrated in front of the staff, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a, is a best practice. The other one is uh, you're holding people accountable. So we walked into our Dallas leadership team, whatever it was, a couple weeks ago, and the assignment was very clear. You know, Congratulations on all the other stuff you're doing. But we're a few months in. Let's give an account for how you're doing around these priorities. And I think a lot of times leaders go, I was crystal clear in what I said, but they didn't go back uh, and inspect what it was that they, that they asked people to do, right? And so people are only going to do, they're only going to perform, or they're only going to uh, execute that which is inspected. But it's crystal clear, you better have something to offer around these uh, these priorities. So anything else to add? Yeah, I, do, I think it brings up a good point. I mean, and I, look, I, I want to be transparent in my own life. Look, I need to keep this in front of me. I mean, the whole idea of mission drift we're all guilty of that. Why? Because um, life creeps in, right? And the urgent begins to crowd out what is important. So this allows us to stay focused on, hey, what's important? 
What's important? Let's keep that in front of us. And I need to keep it in front of myself as a leader. And then I need to repeat it. And I need other leaders to remind me of it and keep coming back to those strategic priorities. They, they are the true north, so to speak, throughout the year of how we are aligning, how we're making decisions. And so you're right. It's not just one great inspiring staff meeting. It's not just one email. It's not one communication in front of the body, but it's repeated over and over and over again. It's what's celebrated. And you and I have laughed about it's it's when people start to make fun of you a little yes. bit behind your back or comments like, oh, there he goes again. He's going to talk about strengthening families. He's going to talk about making a big church feel smaller. He's going to talk about increasing our affections for God and uh, in his church. It's when people start to make fun of you because you're talking about it so often that maybe, maybe you've just then uh, communicated in such yes. a way as that they've, yes. they've heard you. Yes. And if they're not making fun of you, they they probably they probably haven't heard you yet. I mean, you just got to say it over and over and over again. And I promise you, as a leader, it can feel a little bit exasperating. Like I've said this 5,000 times, can we talk about something else? But really, you need to say it again. They need to hear it again. And um, and then wait for them to make fun of you. And that's a good sign. Take it as a compliment. <laughs> such a great thing. Uh, one of the things I was just gonna, wanted to highlight, this, this happens spontaneously. I don't ever remember this being an assignment, but it's really fun to walk around the the you know the offices and the cubes in and watermark and you'll see most people have printed off um this one pager with our you know our, our mission vision values and the strategic priorities and it's just there uh you know in their cubes or on their wall or by their desk um and so the way it was communicated was you know this is very important you need to focus on this and i, I love the way our staff responded uh, and two i heard a great story john elmore who's one of our teaching pastors said when he prepares a sermon he actually puts right next to his monitor he has a, a little little stand where he puts this one pager so as he's preparing to teach our body he's remembering uh, what it is that we're aligned around this year and you, it, it is showing up in in sometimes very very clear ways and sometimes a little more subtle ways which i think has been great so well i think i think that goes back to the very very beginning, what we talked about is getting leaders buy-in. Yeah. Um, if you don't get buy-in, if it's just you and a few guys who are kind of speaking from on high and you come down and go, hey, this is it, I think you're you're doomed to fail, really. Yeah. It, part of this process from the very beginning is, like I said, listening to God and listening to others. Because people, as you said, people do support what they help to create. And where there's buy-in and people um, have participated in this process. When you bring that clarity, they're that much more likely to own it and flesh it out in their own ministries. Like John Elmore, who will you'll hear him use this language in as he communicates and preaches or TA because they were a part of this process from the very beginning. They're not just supporting or saying something, parroting something they heard other leaders say. They believe it. It's part of their core conviction. It's what they believe is most important. So we're working together. Okay. So uh, this has been. This has been a great sales pitch. Uh, this sounds amazing. If, what were the challenges uh, around this? What is a leader also? What's like the disclosures here that they, you're not telling them That's such a good question. That? That's such a good question. Well, I think it's the law of unintended consequences to some degree. It's now you're focused on saying, hey, these are our four strategic priorities. And when you do that, I think others, if it's not the way they would say it, or maybe it doesn't perfectly line up in their ministry in a way that seems obvious to them, I think that the natural question is, well, wait a minute, is what I'm doing not as, not as important anymore? Like, how, how does this affect me? 
And so kind of the metaphor I've used in talking to folks is if I walk into a room, I've got three girls walk into a room and my oldest daughter, Avery, has on a new dress and I say to her, hey, Avery, I really like your dress, but I don't say anything to Ellie and Wesley. It's the law of unintended consequences. And so I'm just trying to make a comment on what Avery's wearing, but unintentionally, Ellie and Wesley can hear what does he not like my dress? And it can create insecurity. And so I think you've got to help people recognize when we're putting these four strategic priorities in front of you, what we're not saying is what you proposed or potentially what you're doing right now is not important. That That's not the case. So the law of unintended consequences, and then secondly, whenever you're doing something new like this, what we're also not saying is what we've done in the past was wrong. That's good. And so... It's just the right thing to do today. It's the right thing to do today. In fact, I think what our elders did fabulously well for so many years is they continued just to bleed vision and put it in front of us. But over 20 years, you you accumulate clutter. You have a lot of words. You have a lot of a lot of messages. And so you've got to keep coming back to, hey, where are we today? What are the challenges that our neighbors are facing, that we are facing as a church? And then how has God uniquely wired, gifted us? And what are the opportunities he has in front of us today so that we can be faithful in this moment? That's good. So, okay, friends, I want you to listen to that. Now, if you're rolling this out for a small team, you're not going to run into what Blake just talked about. But if you roll this out uh, across a larger team, what he just said will happen. It's not It's not if, it will happen. People will feel slighted. They will look at your four, your three, your five, and go, I don't know where the thing that I wake up and do every single day fits into that. I feel I, I feel less valued today than I did uh, a day before. And you are going to have to manage that. It's, it is it is one of the things, um, is, as great as all of this is, it's one of the downsides, and a good leader is going to uh, he's going to uh, metaphorically understand I've got three daughters in the room. Uh, I'm going to call out one and I'm also going to have to do something to make sure that I, uh, that I show affection, appreciation, uh, admiration for these other ones in there. So they don't, they don't walk out of here wondering, does dad, right. does dad think differently about all three of us? And so it's just going to be something for you to have to manage. Yeah. I would say on our strategic priorities as well. And if you're going to go through this process, they need to be broad enough that the whole church can get behind them and rally behind them. If if they're so narrow that it really only relates to maybe a couple of areas of influence in your church, it's probably not broad enough. And then we chose four, and really I felt like that was a lot. (laughs) And so I wouldn't have 10. So, you know, the the secret to concentration is elimination, as it's been said. So you got to eliminate you know, and really decipher between good, better, and best ideas. And uh, we landed on those four. And um, I think it's been really helpful for us. But in doing that, it is the law of unintended consequences. And it does sometimes feel like, hey, well, what about what we've been doing in the past? Is, is, is Was that wrong? And it's like, no, 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 no. That's, it wasn't wrong at all. We're just trying to force clarity on what God would have us do today. Okay. Well, good. Um, well, it occurs to me, one, Blake, this is your superpower actually is clarity. And, um, and so you were leveraging that there's going to be some leaders who are great at filling up whiteboards or talking, uh, for hours and they struggle with bringing clarity, getting this into, you know, uh, four statements, some of them that only have, you know, two words. So that's where, that's the value and beauty of a team. 
You want to get some other people around you who can take uh, everything that's in your head, your heart, the team's heart, and can put it down into as few words as possible. If you struggle with this, don't don't freeze. Uh, just build out a team around you and leverage some of the um, the, the beauty and the wonder of all the gifts um, in, in a body. So, uh, Blake, last words. This has been incredibly helpful. Why don't you give us your last words, and then we'll land the plane. Yeah, as you roll this out, let's say you've met with your leaders, then don't go straight to the body and say, this is what we're doing. <laughs> what you want to do is go to those members on your team, those uh, key lay leaders perhaps, and say, hey, this is where we are right now. I've sketched it out in pencil. Before I add color and paint to this thing, how would you shape it? How would you shape it? And I remember some really key changes that we made that I thought, oh man, I'm really glad I asked you that because you're right, that, that's, a, that's an excellent idea. We need to sharpen those, those words. So I would just, it's like a pair of shoes. You put them on, walk with it for a little while, pray about it, come back to it, and then you can slowly start to roll it out to key members, key leaders, small teams, get their feedback, and then you really do have something. I love it. Well, Blake, this has been incredibly helpful. I assume um, you know our CLC conference happens in May this year, so it will be one year after uh, we've launched all this. We'll have some other learnings. We'll have some updates uh, there, probably some new strategic initiatives if you want to play along at home and just kind of uh, hear how we're thinking about things. Uh, but thank you very much, brother, for uh, using your gifts, using your wiring to serve this church, and I think serving the leaders uh, that will listen to this. Friends, thanks so much for listening. If you have any ideas, if you have any feedback, if you've got um, questions, you know you can always reach us at clp at watermark.org. That's clp at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time.